The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It is Monday, July 5th, 2021. This is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a home before dark podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in on this lovely Monday evening. I am Tim Herb. As always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Mr. Kevin Bradley. Popping champagne. Just want to toast to Gabriel Heinz. Last time, team went three games without a without a goal. We got a new manager, so I just want to toast to the new manager ahead of time. <laughs> figure a celebration oh. was in order, so. And physically below me, not figuratively or on the pecking order, we have Dan James joining us live as well. As we have joint doing this little f- new format, new um, widescreen format, so you guys can see everything that's going on in our in our respective studios. As we're still doing this live and remote during the time of COVID, thank you guys for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you hit the subscribe. And the notification bell icon. Set the reminder whenever we go live. Every every Monday, there's a show. If you're subscribed, go to your subscriptions. Scroll up. You'll see it. It'll say it goes live at 8 p.m. And then you can click the button that says set reminder. And then it sends you a thing. Because YouTube likes to change what things mean. It used to be you subscribe, you got notifications. Then it was notification bell sent you a notification. Now it's a su- the reminder button. That lets you know whenever it's happening, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how these algorithms work. Computers are taking over. Skynet's going live. Um, I did want to touch on real quick. We are broadcasting on Twitch for the first time. Um, we nixed the Facebook feed. Uh, I don't know. I think most people watch on YouTube and then listen to us the next day. And if you guys are listening to us the next day on iTunes, especially, or I guess Apple Podcasts now, please make sure to leave us a rating and or a review. It helps us tremendously in being found. And we will read whatever silly shit you have to say about us and or the show live uh, on the following show. And then also we don't take ads or we don't do ads uh, right now. We, we tried it occasionally. Um, we can barely afford our internet. Apparently we can barely afford our by last week. So yeah, last, <laughs> last week definitely went a little wonky and that was to you guys who were saying that it was our internet. It was not our internet. It was Google Cloud Services, StreamYard. It was a DNS issue because whatever, for the, the, the geeks out there, it was definitely it had something to do with uh, the stock DNS that we were hitting from Kevin and I both use Xfinity Dan's on AT&T. And for whatever reason, one of the sides was blocking the other. But anyway. I, know, are... I thought it went great. I thought it was like the best podcast <laughs> we've done in a long time. 
<laughs> oh, you're absolutely right. But we are, if you guys would be so inclined, we don't, we don't do, we aren't doing ads. We aren't taking corporate money or anything like that. I don't, whatever. We, we don't have a Patreon or anything like that. But if you guys would be so inclined, we do have a cash app. If we're not asking you to donate, we're not going to put anything behind a paywall or anything like that. But we have, but a, we are asking you to go yeah. over to cash app and. we're not asking you but would you i mean we do have we have just regular hosting fees every year um it's nothing crazy and we're not this isn't a for-profit thing we all have day jobs this is a thing exactly um but yeah would you want to take what is it dollar sign hbd yeah dollar sign hb4d yeah oh Um, hb4d got it yeah 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 um, and if you guys are Twitch people, we're over on uh, Twitch at HB4D Pod, HB, the number four D and Pod. You you would be surprised. Home before every variation that I could find was already taken by some streamer who thought they were going to make it big playing League of Legends or some shit like that. But um, but yes, now that's all out of the way. Thank you guys for in the trap. We have our our regulars, the the homies, as it were. We have LAB and Kendrick Brockstein, Paralysis. Michelle, Brittany, S, Nathan, Explosion, Richard, Gordon, Bradley, D, a.k.a. Kevin Bradley, D. And then we have Chiefs. After Dark. Steve. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's um, Brittany S says, I hope this $39 for Nord was worth it. I will tell you that Surfshark really shit the bed on Saturday whenever we were trying to watch through ESPN+. Plus. I will say, I think they have caught on. Um, or I think ESPN is combating it because it's, or maybe Bally sports because I was having the issue. Uh, I don't know if anybody else was between smart DNS, even trying to stream it from my computer over to the, over to the Chromecast or Apple TV. It was not working. It would not load up with the, the VPN IP. So that's yep. when I tried to do ESPN plus with Surfshark, it said, it looks like you're not in the right location or you're using a VPN. And then they had a couple of fuck you fingers afterwards. Yeah. Um, so I think they have caught on. So now I'm not sure what to do. But. Yeah, I'm feeling a so little. So did neither of you guys watch the game? No, I watched. I watched bits and pieces of it. Oh, okay. Because I wanted to watch, like, watch it back. Yeah, but I wasn't able to watch it back. But that's okay. Gotcha. Yeah, it sucks. It's a shitty situation. I don't know what to do outside of, I guess, just getting cable, which I really don't want to do. And I know you've been harping on it for a while, Kevin, but and I, I, I don't know, it. man. I get it. The way this team's playing, I don't know if I want to pony up for cable. It's not <laughs> a bad point either, man. I don't. It's not a bad point either. I, dude, I have no idea how to feel. I have no idea how to feel about this team right now. I guess we can just fucking get into it because I don't know. It's. I'm I'm telling I'm trying to toe the line between being a realist and then also just maybe my expectations were tainted by the first couple years because man, like it's it's it, we went from like two years ago whenever Frank DeBoer came in to be you know anything new is found money right we like we had that conversation for a while about any success the team saw I was like great we just won a championship like whatever we just now it's just like we we don't what we the way we're playing doesn't look good we're not getting good results we haven't been buying the right players like i don't dude i have no like dan how are you feeling right now like on a scale of 
Zero. I'll, I'll not like, about I'll, England. I don't want to hear shit about that. Let's preface with that. No, How are I, you feeling right now about Atlanta United? Because the I, other part, yeah, I don't care. I was going to say on from from a zero to ten because I I want to leave the floor at the zero just in case anybody's feeling a zero. But how are you feeling about this team? Let's start. Let's do three ratings. Let's let's. What's your rating zero to ten on how the how you feel about the team right now in the in the the current construction of it? How you feel uh, in terms of us making the playoffs, and then set up for the future. Like, how do you feel going into next season and, and on with the current team? So the way it's set up now, regardless of, I'm going to take the injuries and the call-ups out of it because there's, there's not much you can do about that. Um, I feel like the defense is good. We've said this for a while. I think uh, the holes are the wingers and the midfield and the uh the attack when joseph's not in it and quite frankly the attack when joseph has been in it is not the best either okay cool so two-thirds of the lineup sucks go okay keep going (laughs) i i i'm not ready to get rid of heinzer yet i i feel like he's a good manager he's a you know he's been an up-and-coming manager so a new challenge for him he hasn't you know he's had a few months he hasn't had any sort of transfer season he hasn't had any prep for a transfer season until i think it opens this week so i want to give him at least a year um i hope we can bring in some new players um i'm looking towards a dp because uh, there's lots of talk that franco can be bought down relatively easy so because yeah, what he's on what like it's like 500 thousand like, a year I, yeah it, I think it's three or four hundred thousand, and the transfer fee I think was two point three or something like that. Um, so he can be brought down. And I thought the plan—I remember there was talk when he was brought in. The plan was to buy him down in the summer after we brought down Marino. Um, so hopefully that will bring a. Obviously that would bring a DP spot open, and it's whether we can um, capitalize on that. And I think if we're going to bring in a DP, it's got to be attacking midfield. Or a winger. Uh, no, the only rumors I've seen was been on that that Roney guy who um, I think he plays for Palmeiras. Uh, I haven't seen any other other any other rumors like that. He's so, a winger, right? Yeah. The way the team's constructed right now, it doesn't matter how great our defense. If we can't if we can't score goals, we're not going to win games. Um, we're just going to, you know, either get a draw or lose. So. The way the team is structured right now, um, I'd give it a, you know, a one out of three. And then what was the next one for the future or playoffs? Playoffs, man, if we can get into the last playoff spot, I think that's all we're going to get. Um, I don't see us finishing any other high, any higher than mid table. And then moving forward, I think moving forward, there's a lot of potential there, like I want to see how Lopez develops. I mean, he's getting a lot of minutes now. Sosa, he's still pretty young. We have one of the younger teams in the league, so there is some potential there. But we got to get we got to get our midfield sorted out. There's just if we don't have the talent on the wings, it's not going to work as as the way that we want it to, and we just don't have that right now. What about you, Kevin? How are you feeling? 
Um, it's hard watching the game this week. It's it's hard to separate the season and the state of this team without like Dan opened up his sentiments on without taking into context, the situation of the team right now. I think chiefs coach Steve mentioned it, which is like, look, you go into a game playing your twos and threes. What would you think the outcome would be? You know? And I get that. That said, some of those twos you would expect to be a little bit better. Um, I think you're getting some playtime, particularly out of Chicago, where the result isn't what you wanted out of that game. Um, But there's so many circumstances in there. A lot of really poor performances by players that you would expect to be better. Um, But there were some standout performances there, right? And talking about this team being a young team, I think that there are some spots in the lineup that you could see going forward and hope that the front office maybe learns from some of its mistakes prior where you keep some of that tenure in the lineup where there are performers that are doing something for you offensively speaking, whether that's Brooks Lennon or, you know, what Sosa has been doing on defense, stuff like that. Um, I thought, Machop Chol had a great game and arguably one of the best replacement fixtures in that lineup this past week. I don't know what his opportunities are or future is with Atlanta United, but I think that there were some good things out of that game. That said, I think that what, what the state of the team is right now allows the front office to evaluate what the state of those seconds and thirds are, because inevitably you're going to have to depend on them at some point throughout the season. Like we in, and Kendrick mentioned this too, in the trap saying, you know, without Joseph, the team has struggled to score goals consistently since year one. That was no different under Tata Martino than it was under Frank DeBoer than it is under Gabriel Heinze. I think it's, a little bit different in the pieces that he has around him, obviously under Tata Martino and arguably even under FDB than it is now. But what this lack of depth and, and starters in the lineup allows that front office to do is really take a look at those twos and threes and say, are they providing us anything? And right now, especially this past week, there's a lot of people in this lineup that aren't doing shit for you that are on the roster and on the beach bench week in and week out that need to go. That's that's aside from the first team, which has its own holes and you, you've, you're going to allow some allocation money. You'll get a new DP like that's all part of it. But it's I think that those twos and threes are so important to every team's lineup like. Looking at Chicago, like if you told me going into that game what we saw the first leg against Chicago, I thought Barrett would have lit it up. It wasn't even him that was scoring on us. Like again, like that's that's what I'm saying. Like that's where this team, I think, has real or the front office has really, really missed and has become glaringly evident this season is in those twos and threes. Like you don't expect them to win, but you expect them to be viable solutions whenever those starters are inevitably out, whether it's for rest or injury or whatever, or you risk those first team members consistently getting plagued with injuries because they're having to play so many minutes. And I would really fucking hate if players like Sosa and Miles Robinson are plagued with injuries because you've run them into the ground because they get zero break time because you have no depth to actually plug into a system to generate anything. And I think that that Chicago game, again, I think there's a lot of twos and threes that need to get replaced and swapped out 
going forward. So state of the team right now, it's a mess, man. It's Swiss cheese. There's holes all over the place, and I don't know what the priority is, but I think that there's a lot that kind of gets washed away because of injuries. And the next thing up right now, and the thing that's on the top of my mind is based off of the most recent results, which is your twos and threes are not producing anything of merit, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. So that's, that's kind of my thing. And I, I would agree with Dan sentiment on that side of the things on your sort of B and C squad. I mean, you're looking on a scale of 10, maybe you're getting a, Two or a three, you get a standout performance one week or two weeks with, you know, Machop Chol having a great game. But then Mo Adams is nowhere to be fucking found in the midfield. You know, <laughs> there's, there's shit like that every every time you turn around. So, um, so yeah, it, it's kind of it's kind of a mixed bag there. Um, playoffs, I, I don't without again, it's it's kind of reflecting on my first answer, which is without knowing what the state of this team is going to be with its starters, I don't really expect much. And if this is going to be the rest of the season or the, a large por- portion of the season where Atlanta continues to dig themselves into a hole, even with the summer transfer window, I don't think you get enough time with new starters or a new DP that's going to have that much of an impact to all of a sudden have a late surge and make up a bunch of missed points that Atlanta left on the table. So, I mean... <sighs> I don't, it's, it's tough, man. It's really tough to like kind of compartmentalize things to look at where we're weak, right? Like trying to salvage or trying to figure out some sort of optimism to have for this season and like the way that we're moving right now. It's like the goalposts have shifted for me in terms of what my expectations are, not expectations, what I guess a measure of success for me at this point is a lot different at the end of the season right now than it was going into the season, I think. And especially even after the first few matches and the, the run that we had in CCL, I felt like until we ran into a, you know, the supporter shield winner in, in Philadelphia union from what last year. Right. And, and we, we played really well against them, shot the bed at home, but like my expectations at that point, maybe unjustifiably. So we're, we're relatively high and I was getting, you know, I was riding a high and right now it's, you know, I've, I've cheered for teams my entire life that have been kind of like, I think my, my favorite teams growing up, I don't know, over the past 30, what, 34 years, we're sitting at like probably two championships between all the teams that I, I support. So it's like, I know, I know what it feels like to, to, to root for laundry when that laundry is playing like shit and, and having to rebuild season and season and season again. Um, and it's one of those things where you're trying to you're trying to pick out what to feel optimistic about. And I mean, Machop Chol is a good example. Like uh, even I didn't get to watch the game. Like I said, having issues with the VPN, but you know, watching the extended highlights, like he was one of the few highlights that they even showed from Atlanta United in the second half. And um, but you're right. I mean, but what do we do? What do we do right now going into the transfer window, where we have two DPS who maybe ones shouldn't be a DP. And then the other, after three seasons, and I think this is a bigger debate, which we didn't really get to get into a whole hell of a lot last week because of the, because of the connection issues that we had. But we have Barco who I don't know is ever going to live up to the potential that we had for him. And I don't know if he's ever really going to satisfy anybody given his transfer fee, especially at the time. And then the fact that he's taking up a spot, I just get, I don't know. Like I said, it's hard to compartmentalize and, and because I look at other teams and I see the new blood that comes in year in, year out to those teams. 
and the team, like the guys who were able to score. Look at the team that we just got beat by. He's had two two games in the league, and all of a sudden he puts up a brace. You know? Yeah, it's 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 rough, man. Because you look at these teams, like I, you know, getting jealous of even San Jose, who has Cade Cowell, who's coming in and scoring goals for them, and it's like at seventeen years old, like. can we just hit on a, a homegrown guy? Like, I know we have Bello. Don't get me wrong. Bello's fantastic. He's going to be shipped off in the next year, probably. He's already garnering interest from what Galatasaray and Turkey and, and others. We talk, I think we talked about that last week. But, man, I just, I just want us to hit on one attacking talent. Or like, develop your fucking draft picks, man. Like, that's what we did with Gressel. <laughs> yeah, know? No, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's it sucks because you do look at the roster breakdown and I tweeted out earlier today is like, you know, the fact that we pay you know, everything that happened with with the article with Felipe and and Nagby's departure and the promises made to him and the fact that he's not making more than I think he's making like less than 200,000 more a year than than Jurgen Damm is is it's insane to me. It's absolutely insane to me. Yeah. And then I mean Julian Gressel's a little more understandable because you really do have I like for like replacement and, and potentially a, oh, a, better, a better player in Brooks Lennon. But I mean, I don't know. Elliot even brings up Sosa's depart or Sosa's absence from this game. And it really does show that that's the big hole in the middle of the Swiss cheese. Like it got, you know, just giant. Maybe the rat ate a little bit out of it too. And it's, uh, <laughs> It's it's tough, like because teams have already figured out. You go after Sosa, you you mitigate our ability to to play make, and if he's not in the lineup, then you're free to do other stuff. <laughs> like you're free to really go after us. And I I, I don't know. It's I, but that's of- the other thing about like how Chicago attacked us. They beat us in three. They they beat us in every which way they could. They they had a they had a break. Down the middle where Mo Adams got beat. They had another one where nobody stepped up and made a challenge. Like in the first half, there were multiple times where they would just let players run past the midfield line almost all the way up to the 18, just completely unopposed. You know, like it's that kind of stuff that's like you just have to get to basics at some point and like have some intensity. Like the second goal is with seconds left in stoppage time and it's just lackadaisical play in the midfield and Mo gets beat by someone I forget who it was just being really really aggressive get the gets the ball and lays it off for the that second goal and then the game's pretty much locked up at that point because Atlanta had had I, I think it took Atlanta until like the 70th minute to have its first shot on goal like I mean that's that's just I, there's no excuse for that, man. I mean, Barco standing on the edge of the 18 multiple times throughout the game without at least just taking a shot on goal. Like it's the same shit week in and week out. Sometimes I, I just don't get it. Yeah. It's it. I mean that, that second goal right at, you know, you're trying to get to a halftime in one nil and then was it like four extra minutes? Yeah. Stoppage time. And they, and score it's in the fifth very end of that. <laughs> yeah. Alessado, kicks a rocket in and then you're going into half down just becoming under a, a two. But it could have been avoided not. with just a little bit of aggression and in, in some awareness in the midfield. Again, back to that midfield awareness. And then their last goal was 
like that's what I would hope that Atlanta's trying to build to with this whole possession-based tactic. Like it is possession that moves from one end of the field down to the other with a series of one touches where everybody knows where everybody else is. It is perfect organization that gets a man out in space for a one-on-one and he drives it home. Like again, they beat us with three different opportunities in three different ways, whether it was aggression or a deflection, which you can, you know, argue is kind of lucky, but again, it's still somebody should have stepped two. And then a possession based passing, attacking counterattack. Like that's not just a breakdown in one approach that Atlanta's weak at, you know? Right. I think coach, uh, chiefs coach, Steve in the trap saying as a coach, when it gets like this, you work on things that you have some control over and get impact. You mentioned, Kevin, one of the biggies, which is consistency. And um, so it, and an example of this, if you look at our past um, player position, average player position maps, you can see Sosa's pretty much in the – he's playing as a center back, basically. And then you look at the one this last match, and it looks like we've switched back to – a traditional just two of Robinson and walks in the back and Mo Adams is like out halfway up the field, slightly towards the left, uh, kind of out of position. But I mean, this, these, the um, South American competition has really put a dent in like having players go out there, having Joseph in like in the COVID protocol and now having these injuries and now having Bello Guzan, and Robinson going international duty. There's there's not even a chance to have consistency. No. And this is a com- this is a complicated system that um, Heinz is trying to put in. And I I believe in Heinz. I believe he can he has the idea of doing this, and he's not going to change it because he's he has he said that much. mentality to, to <laughs> yeah. go in exactly. And he said that, but we just don't have any consistency. I'm hoping towards the end of the summer in like two, three months, we can have some sort of consistency going. But until that happens, it's going to be like these weird, weird lineups and just awful results. Uh, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to, I think when they leave for the gold cup, uh, I think they leave tomorrow or they might've left today. Um, I mean, I was just I think like, it was today. Look, I think it was today. Yeah. Yeah. I was just looking at a lineup that we can have, um, so, if, you know, cans in goal, Ambrose walks either Campbell or Jajan next to him, and then Lennon. And then in the midfield, you've got Adams and Moreno, and then either Rosetta, Wolf, or Chol. And then up on the, the top three, you've got Mulraney, Joseph, and Lopez. What would you, so, how would you feel about putting that's if Joseph is back? He's not going to be back by this Thursday, is he? I don't uh, see why not, right? He might be. He's in Atlanta now. Um, oh, okay. I think. But, I mean, if, you know, if Sosa's day-to-day, I believe, Franco, um, I think he's also day-to-day, and then Ibarra's, like, he's got a longer layoff because of his hamstring. But it's just, like, it's 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 comical how many injuries that we have and our, our depth, to your point, Kevin, is really being exposed, and we just don't have the guys that can fill that. Yeah, you don't have like for like depth either, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you look at 
putting Mo Adam. Granted, nobody's alike for like substitution, at least on this roster that I could think of for like for Santiago Sosa, right? Like, yeah, you you put Mo Adams in there, and to your point, he's going to drift tactic. I I doubt Heinze told him to do anything other than he told Sosa to do. But you have muscle memory, and all that kicks in, and you're playing, you know, reaction, um, reactionary out there, and it's. I don't. I, I feel like that kind of puts you in a bad situation too. I, I was going to say, I was going to ask you guys, I guess is the, the better way of saying that. How do you feel about moving Lennon up into midfield? Because Tyler Wolf did not seem to be it on Saturday, putting Lennon up in midfield. And now that Hernandez is back, putting him over on the right side. I, I know that's not maybe necessarily the right, uh, the right personnel for the form, but to your point, I don't know. Like you, you got to start plugging the holes somehow, right? Like you just gotta, you gotta hope that there are less holes in the dam than than fingers, right? Yeah, I mean, to your to your point, when um, Ibarra went down, Heinze was playing Bello and Lennon to come in um, and not be so, you know, with their feet on the touchline. So, I mean, Lennon's, I mean, he could move up, and you could move. Hernandez in um, as a right back. I mean, that's a possibility. But I feel like if you're going to play him, you're going to try and play him as a winger. So I feel like he's still going to, he's not going to take up one of those middle three spots. He wants to take one of the top three spots. So he can be that winger rather than being in the mix in the middle to try and, you know, shut down. And though I think, I mean, if, if you're, if you're going to, make anybody a Swiss army knife in this team. I feel like Lennon's the guy cause he's just going to go a hundred percent all of the time, no yeah. matter where he is. And I feel like he's played in the three facets as it were throughout his career. Right. I, I think we've seen him as a winger. We've seen him as a midfielder. We've seen him as a, as a fullback. So, uh, yeah. he is, he is very much a versatile player. I don't, it would or be, Mo Rainey could even be in that role, yeah, you know, absolutely. because we've seen him play. I mean, if anything, I feel like he lends himself to that a little bit more because he has played both sides of the ball, whether it's on left wing or right wing, he can kind of drift one way or the other to fill the need as it develops throughout the course of play. Yeah. But those, I mean, but those guys, those guys are more wingers. I'm looking for guys who can be like in the in the trenches with like you know taking either a Soso yeah. or an Ibarra role. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know what the the status of Rosetto is. I mean, last time yeah. he was playing with the twos and then he got injured. Is he still injured? I mean, to me, he's the guy who fits into that third midfield spot. True. But yeah. I mean, we haven't seen him all year. He's played with the twos a little bit, but that's it. I feel like he's slowly going the way of Emmanuel Castro. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he was last seen collecting his check from HR. I think that's <laughs> like the, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't think he's, he's been in maybe the 18 once, twice this year. I don't think he's. I don't he's think he has been in the 18. Really? I mean, someone in a trap, correct me. I don't think he has. I'm pretty sure he, after he got, did he get a green card situated? Oh, maybe he was actually. Yeah. And I think he came in maybe in the second half of a game, but we haven't seen him otherwise. I may be wrong. Uh, I, I'll I take a look sword. now. Yeah. I know he's taking up a decent amount of money on the roster, as is Jurgen Dom, as is Brad Guzan, which is. Maybe that's a topic for another discussion. But um, Brittany S. asking who is playing Miles's position it has to be Alan Franco, right? Well, he's well, he's got the injury. He's injured. How long yep. is he out for? How bad is his injury? 
I'm not sure. I, I think know. he was in an ankle. He's he was day to day, but he yeah. didn't travel with the team. I mean, was hopefully, that a, was that a training injury? Yeah. So Sosa and him were both training injuries. Fucking hell, man. I mean, that brings up a point where Kendrick Brock is asking if Heinz is practicing them too hard, leading to some of these injuries. I think he did mention that, right? He said he he runs really hard training sessions. So, well, you'd think they'd have better performances if they were training that hard. <laughs> just, my, just my two cents. I don't know, man. I watched Ted Lasso. I don't think managing is that hard, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's, that's a lie because i know you haven't watched it and no I oh wait you did watch season. it yeah you did watch it that's right never mind it was yeah. who who was i talking to recently that was like no i still haven't watched it no we oh. watched it we watched oh, it was like ryan. Two- it was ryan i was asking ryan if you had watched it okay. i watched it yeah we watched it over like two days it's fantastic right. yeah um, and then so okay tim so rosetto was on the bench against montreal he was on the bench against Seattle, and he was on the bench against Nashville. He only played two minutes against the Sounders. That was it. Okay. He came in in extra time in the second half. So he's played I, yeah, total I of two minutes. Yeah, I could have sworn I, I could picture him subbing in this year in my head. Um, well, that's all he did. He subbed in, and then the game was over. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, at least hey, at least we didn't win one nothing on Saturday, you know? Mm-hmm. Agreed. At least we didn't get beat 7-1. Oh, that's hey, good, weren't too. we just saying two weeks ago that the league was due for a big blowout game this season? <laughs> <laughs> then it happens. Thank you, Chris Armas. Thank wow. you for doing what needed to be done. Seriously. You want to talk about, like, impatience? Armas blew it again. Yeah. You, you want to talk about impatience with the front office? 11 games in, and he's canned. Oh. <sighs> Like I feel yeah. like he was he was brought in to be the fall guy. No kidding. I mean, never you know, don't never fill the shoes of a great man. You know, David Moyes. Why would you have taken that job when no. Alex Ferguson retired? I mean, it's I mean, relationships too, right? Like Armis was was sure. the rebound after Greg Vanny, right? Like mm-hmm. that's and then who they, they're going to get Jose next, right? <laughs> Mourinho's going to come in and manage TFC. I mean, to to Armis's credit, though, like, aren't they? They haven't played. They're not playing in Toronto at all this season, right? Because of no, COVID, not. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so not having a home game, having to deal with like injured players. I know everybody deals with injured players, but like, I don't know. I felt that was like kind of a shitty move by their front office to let him go so quickly. But um, well, maybe I mean, to your point, maybe that's what he was. Maybe they brought yeah. him in to. Say, you know, we need someone to come in to collect a check for however many months. Yeah. And, and Dan, you, you like you even brought up like you don't think Heinz should be fired. I don't know that. As in, has anybody actually been talking about that? Because I know pra- pragmatism, is that the right word to use for the three of us when it comes to this sort of thing? Or is it like um, just like, I don't know, that we have wait, we have too much patience when it comes to these things, maybe? I don't know, compared to everybody else. But like. I don't, is anybody saying Heinz out? I know we're not. I know we're not talking about him being replaced. And it's crazy that, like, I'm almost pissed that nobody is saying Heinz out, even though I don't believe Heinz out, just because people were calling for DeBoer out in his first season with a better record than Heinz has right now, like in better positioning in the league. Like that's what that's what blows my mind. If you can if you can go back and find tweets from people that were in the Atlanta United fan base during that mid-season time frame of his first season, people were calling for DeBoer out. Like, it's... Yeah. 
I'm I'm mad that this I'm mad, but I'm also kind of happy because the fan base needs to learn a little bit of perspective and patience with this stuff that it doesn't happen overnight. But it's like you run people out on a rail, and then it, it just it just causes this whole domino effect, man. But and, to, to play devil's advocate, Kevin Frank DeBoer did come in with a more um, Better continuity within the roster, better roster put together in general, coming off of a championship. Very true. Very but you true. Could, but you could look at coming off of a championship as being a negative because next year it sets up crazy expectations or there's usually the championship hangover, whatever. But what's well, almost like the what, Dan, what was the phrase that you just used? Never, never be the next man up or something. <laughs> was it? Never fill the shoes of a great man. Yeah, I mean that. Like DeBoer was the fall guy in a lot of ways for that in that season for some in some respects, but he still yeah. ended up putting together a pretty great season. You know, yeah, I mean, he yeah. just won the Open Cup and the Campionis Cup. You yeah, know, you know, got minor details, a, and an uh, you know, Cup a couple final. flute goals away from taking us to another MLS final, but who's counting? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> can I just can I just ask you guys' opinion and the people in the trap? I don't know if anybody in the trap are the people that I'm about to talk about. So if you are, I, whatever, uh, I don't, I don't really care, but like, I, is anybody else, was anybody else frustrated watching the Atlanta United fan base just revel in Frank DeBoer's departure from the Netherlands? Oh yeah. It's so team? weird. That's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that. I mean, I don't want to, I mean, I was, I was glad when, Atlanta United relieved him, but I'm not going to follow him around and, and you know continue wish, to hell on the guy. Wish I mean, that his entire career, like that. Make, yeah, no, I agree. That makes no sense. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, for as much grief as they get for just being in sports in general, I think you know there's a there's a humanitarian line you should draw somewhere. Which that entire thing is so funny to me too, because he's been there for a year and a half and. Obviously, you don't want to lose in the first round of elimination play, but they were fucking lights out throughout group stages and had only lost like one match in the past year or something crazy like that. And then he, lo- it's, and, you know, it's eerily similar to his circumstances in at Atlanta United. <laughs> you know, he has a great yeah. season. COVID happens. He goes to MLS's back tournament, loses a couple, and they're like, yep, yeah, got to get out of here. Sorry. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, the the Licht red card kind of see it's like his whole career just turned around on that one red card. <laughs> Seriously, I, I don't think it, I think it was kind of a harsh red card as well. I don't think it was. Yeah, was was Boca down there in the dugout uh, talking to the players <laughs> during the match with the Czech Republic or no? Uh, probably. It's like I have to figure out, Jeff. Can you point me to who to blame? Can I can yeah. I put the blame on somebody else other than myself? Hopefully, we was going. Hey, uh, Patrick Schick, how 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 much would you take to bring you over? Oh, no I have a I have a I have a question for both of you guys. What would it take? We we've also been on the side of like not being too quick to throw out the entire front office and off with everybody's heads, given everything that's happened this season including Felipe's article, including some knowledge now about what's taken place in private or uh, in previous seasons. What would it take this season for you to say Boca out, or are you already there at this point? I think I am willing to, I mean, so Felipe's article was talking about stuff that's, you know, two years old, right? right. 
So hopefully Boca has already learned from his mistakes and has been working with Heinze to figure out some transfers. I'm going to give him two more transfer windows. I'll give him this summer and I'll give him the off season. And if, if that just falls apart and, you know, it also depends on how it ends with, with Heinze and he has a chance to, He's he said he's given his recommendations for the players he would like to have bring in, and I want him to have that chance. I want him to be able to bring in his players, try and install a system, and if that doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But I feel like at least we tried, and because we uh, haven't given him, we haven't given him that yet. Um, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany says I'm already halfway there. Just knock that out. I'm I'm there. I don't, I look at this roster, the construction, the people that are taking up the most money. I mean, they, we literally have a guy who is making a million and a half dollars a year, taking up a ton of money on the, on the, in, in MLS dollars on the, uh, on the salary cap. And he's, he does more TikToks and play like than games played. Like it's, I know it's kind of a, it's kind of been um, pounded into the ground or you know, whatever, but he's, I don't know, man. Like I, I just look at this roster and I can't from where we were a few years ago. It, it's crazy to think that he constructed or helped construct that initial, uh, that initial roster where we caught lightning in a bottle with, uh, to, is that Paul McDonough's words? Mm-hmm. And Paul McDonough and, and Boca and Darren Eels catching lightning in a bottle in that first roster construction and, and having a few years leading up to it too. And it's, just looking at where we are right now, it's I. I'm typically pragmatic about these things, but like I don't see a lot of. I don't know. I don't see a lot of uh, diamonds in the rough on this roster moving forward, and and I don't. I just don't think the purchases in the transfer windows uh, lately have have really been great ones. To be honest, I think for once I agree with Dan. <laughs> I um. I think it's tough because in his position, he hasn't – I don't know. It's weird, man. Like, you think about the timing of when managers were brought on versus when trades or sales took place of players and how many of those aligned with when managers were either under tenure or or had some ability to weigh in on it, right? Like – DeBoer clearly had very little knowledge about it. Tata mm-hmm. was very frustrated because he came in and and made some suggestions and things didn't certainly, you know, get welcomed with the respect that he would expect them to be. That said, does the front office hedge their bets with a, a manager that we know how the carousel goes and you all of a sudden have an entire roster built around this manager that may not live up to expectations versus people that they're sort of placing their bets on. I feel like that's, it's tricky, man. Cause it's like, they're, they're kind of half in one hand or six in one hand, half dozen in the other or whatever. Like they're, they're constantly going back and forth between like trying to make these asset acquisitions in the way, like by the way of Miguel Almiron, which ends up garnering all of this money and ends up being this huge um, asset to the team. And then they're also trying to 
do things to try to help the managers in some respect, but they haven't really like to Dan's point, like I think it would have to be this summer and the next transfer window where it's like, if things aren't clicking with a manager that you have clearly hired with the expectation of having a long enough tenure to garner some sort of trend or impact in this team, you have to buy into whatever it is that they're trying to develop. And you haven't done that on a consistent basis. And if you continue to not do that and results don't come by way of you just trying to make these asset grabs, you got to fucking go. And, and I think it's, it's very close right now that like you can make an argument that like you did Tim, that it's, it could very well be that way because they have had those situations like Frank DeBoer's second season where there's no excuse for them not to, right? Like first season, okay, maybe, and he inherited all this stuff. But the second season, there were clearly things that were taking place outside of the manager's control. And now here we are again in a very, very similar situation where Heinze inherited this team with all, I mean, by most accounts, if we end up with the same results next season because of them not taking in his considerations or his recommendations or whatever to try to build something based on what he's trying to employ, then they're, they're going around what they're, they're hiring people to do, right? Like you're, you're hiring a manager and not giving them employees that they can manage with, right? Like you're, you're asking them to produce something, but you're not giving them the materials to produce it with. And that's, that's a that's what the front office's role is supposed to be and and have stop gaps and and things in place financially to make sure that that discussion takes place in a meaningful way but it's got to happen in some regard so i think by next summer i would expect to see some substantial changes in the way that's being conducted with some signings that make an impact on this team and really fit into Heinz's uh system that he's trying to put put in place yeah, and you know the the roast the roster right now. I mean, they just haven't. We don't have any wingers, basically. I think. I mean, I think Mulraney and Dam are the only like natural wingers that we have. Barco's not a winger. Neither's Moreno. I, I, I would I, I I would argue Bello might be. Well, yeah, but Bello's a left wing back. We need him to. He's he's playing in that role. Fuck it. Uh, put Mike. Put fuck it. Put Mikey Ambrose at left back, <laughs> and then put put Bello up in the left mid. Yeah, or yeah. up on left wing. It'd be more dangerous than than anything we have going right now. He's he's he and he and Leonard are two of the consistently more dangerous looking yeah. players whenever they give forward. And if you start them even further forward, like, <laughs> I tend to like. I personally, I think Mulraney's a better left winger than Bello is. That's just my my take. I just think that Mulraney's distribution and ability on the left wing side of the ball and kind of backs up what Dan was saying. Like, I think Bellows obviously a better defensive player, but I think Mulraney's distribution is a little bit better than Bellows is from the left wing, personally. Yeah, if, and that, I think that's true in terms of crossing and stuff. I But I think, you know, Bellows, he's kind of like Escobar. It reminds me of Escobar in that way that he can just storm into the box and be yeah. there to clear up a loose ball. Exactly. And then he's, you know, and he's fast. Uh, where Mulraney, I thought Mulraney was one of our faster players, but I haven't really seen him turn it on. 
yeah. uh, this season anyway. Yeah, it's it's just it's just so it's it's frustrating. Um, and you want them to man. I hope I hope they can sort it out. If we get if we can choose a type of deep a DP that we want in a certain position, I want a winger. I want a so winger. You, I don't want to. Right I now. want a fucking center. I want a center midfielder so bad, man. I, I I think the wingers are fine with what we've got. I want a center midfielder that can mm-hmm. actually make a difference from one side of the ball to the other, like the, the one side of the field to the other. The, the fact that that has consistently been an issue since Nagby's dis- departure makes no sense to me. Yeah. yeah, I I mean, I could go with that too. I just feel like, you know, if. if we're supposed to be attacking down the wings that Heinzer wants us to do. And, you know, his, the width that he's trying to give the team or he's done in Belez Soft's field, you've got to have those strong wingers in order to implement that. And if it's not, um, if it's, if it's, if it's not there and you can't have that width, you can't make those switches, you can't make those storm and runs, then it's just not going to, I don't know. I feel like well, we, the other side of that is having people in the middle of the box that can get on the end of it. Yeah. Fucking Kubo Torres, my god, that's a whole <laughs> other stuff. Like, talk about B and C squad not living up to expectations if there ever was one. What the fuck is he doing? Did you guys notice? You guys didn't. You Dan, you you might have heard it on the first thing, but Kevin Egan's like his response to Kubo whenever the ball gets crossed over. Like, I tried to record it on my phone. But I think it was Lennon crossed the ball to the back post. Kubo's back there, and he's doing the play-by-play, and he's like, Marco up the midfield, distributes to Lennon. Lennon with a big cross to Kubo Torres. Like, he just sounds so <laughs> like, fuck, man. <laughs> you hear Mo do like, Kubo's got to be better than that. Like, what's he – like, he's back here on the back post. He's not – like, he's got to do so much with the ball. Like, he's just consistently – he give it to him, though. I will say Kubo had a couple of standout plays this game. Like he had one touch on the touch line early on in the first half. That was like, oh, that was really nice. Like really, really sneaky. Ultimately doesn't lead to anything, but he had a couple of moments where it's like, okay, that's a good ball here or there. But back to your point about strong wingers, it's only as good as the people that they're distributing to. And right now there ain't a whole fucking lot of that in the middle without Joseph. Mm -hmm. And even Joseph isn't a hundred percent. (laughs) So Mm-hmm. I don't know what you do, man. I really fucking don't. And that's where I come back to like, maybe it is a midfielder, somebody that, you know, isn't going to be as much of a liability if they're up there inside of the box. They're not necessarily a striker, but you can at least rest on the laurels of the mid or the wingers that you've already got, which can clearly distribute the ball, but nobody's getting on the end of it with somebody that at least has some tactical awareness to get on the end of one of those headers or make a play at the top of the box and actually take a fucking shot on goal. Barco finally takes a shot on goal wide fucking open and skies it. Like you can't, like you can't <laughs> be doing this shit. I don't fucking get it. I don't get it. I <sighs> cannot stand Kubo Torres. I cannot stand him. He's, he's a pedestrian, man. He's just a pedestrian. Like he, I, there was one again, keep on hearing about his work rate. I don't see it. It's he, he ran with, I think it was, um, I can't remember who it was, but he was ran. He probably ran about a third of the field with this guy and then just gave up. Yeah. And he gave up in our <laughs> half of the, the field. It's like, <laughs> yep. 
smile what, through the pain. That's what, what he would doing, tell man? you. What are yeah. we doing? What uh, what uh, so what are we doing? I can't remember. Did we talk about DPS in the league and like statistics around that last week? Did I bring no, that up or we get that cut off? No. Kevin, I'm um, okay. So of the, do you want to set this up with your new like trick that you learned before we started recording? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. That's actually a good good call. You, you want to do the thirty second DP rundown where Dan and I can't talk or <laughs> no. chat? <laughs> do it, Tim. Do it. No, no, because I don't know what that's good. I, no, Tink- Tinker and Tim has never ended up like it never <laughs> ends the up. Broadcast it fucks everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I was looking last week at DPS around the league because I can't I can't imagine everybody is doing as poorly with their DP signings as us or you know it's like of the twenty seven teams in MLS I might have to count them again real quick. Kevin, what's your number? How many how many of the 27 teams do you think are using all three of their DP slots? 21. Dan? Uh, I'll go with how many teams do we have? 27. 27. Uh, and all of them. So I'll probably go for like 15. 13 teams. Wow. <laughs> There are only 13 teams that are using all three DP slots. Wow. Yeah. Um, some How many better- of them have won an MLS Cup in the past five years? Um, that's fair. That's actually probably, probably a pretty good call. Uh, when was Colorado's uh, Cup? Didn't they win Cup in like 2016, 15, something like that? Or did they win Supporter Shield? Is that what I'm thinking of? No, I think they won the cup. They were just getting one nil wins. They lasted it. Um, let's see. Did they so like Seattle have Hold three on. DPS? Yeah, and yeah. again, they're consistently winning MLS Cup, right? So the, so the ones that don't have it are Austin, um, Colorado only is using one of theirs right now. Um, Cincinnati. Dallas, Houston, um, LAFC only have two uh, DPs right now, which is pretty crazy. Wow. Um, Is that Rossi and Vela? Yep. And New York Red Bulls, which is honestly more surprising that they have two DPs because they like to build through the academy and just kind of like uh, random signings. Uh, Orlando doesn't have, isn't using um, all three, Real Salt Lake, San Jose, and then Vancouver. So yeah, so, I guess- of those, the only one that I see that has won. So you said Sporting KC. Uh, Sporting KC. No, they're using all three. Okay, so the only one that you said is not Real Salt Lake. Uh, the last time they won a trophy was in two thousand and nine. Yeah. So again, like I see the point that you're making, but at the same time. Of the teams that are using their three DPS, all of them are the ones that are winning trophies. So, I just thought it know. was interesting, and, and no, it, it like uh, maybe it is, it's like but it also shows like, how important it is to get a valuable asset in that position because you have a market like you're putting yourself as an outlier and in an advantageous position because that takes a certain amount of cash flow from the ownership group to invest in those three players and if you're not producing results with it you're, it's just wasted money 
Yeah. You know what else I thought was pretty interesting was when the players were designated as designated players in that Ezekiel Barco. Okay, so there's only there's one signing, one DP that's been a DP since 2015. It's the oldest DP in the league. And you guys are probably already looking at it. Dan's probably looking at it. But Josie Altador has been a DP with Toronto mm-hmm. since 2015. Yeah. Nico Lodero, yeah. who's not even playing right now with Seattle, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, has been since 2016. So they're doing what they're doing on the field without maybe their best playmaker, which is is another story. Joseph Martinez, Paul Ariola. Uh, has Paul Ariola really been with DC since 2017? Yeah. Damn, it does not seem like it's been that long, but I guess so. But Joseph, Paul Ariola, Jonathan Dos Santos, Maxi Morales, Sebastian Blanco, and Albert Ruznak are the, was that a crop of six players from 2017? And then Ezekiel Barco has, is one of the longer tenured DPs, which I don't know who that says more about us or about him. Because the whole point, like you look at a guy like Carlos Vela, obviously brought in to finish out his career in MLS. Uh, Diego Rossi's a guy who's probably going to move on for a pretty big transfer fee soon. Albert Riznak, I think, is still rather young. Uh, but yeah, I mean, guys like Maxi Morales, Sebastian Blanco, Jonathan DeSantos, even Paul Ariola, Joseph Martinez, like all those guys ahead of that have been DPs longer than Barco has. Are all guys that are probably gonna that were brought in to finish their careers here? Maybe not Joseph. Joseph right. is potentially like move on, but uh, I mean, what does that say? Who does that well, say? Well, it's very about? interesting because it it to me it shows the validation that MLS is a quote unquote retirement league. So it's like, which do you want to be? Do you want to be the destination league that molds young talent that you end up selling off for more value? Or do you want to bring in players that have a shorter stint as a DP, but you're going to get a little bit more out of them? And because you can't necessarily have both, you you can if again catching lightning in a bottle like Miguel Almiron, but you've got to be able to cut your losses a little bit quicker too. Like the DP position, what what you just read to me with the those DPs and like the longest tenure DP. Joseph is pretty far up there in that list. Like he's what top four or five in that list. Uh, he is tied for third, I guess. If you right. want to say, because it's, there's only two that were before 2017, but there's six guys that were 2017 DP. So in five years, he's the longest, one of the longest running designated player positions. Like to me, that says the way this league is structured and the way that DPs are utilized is if they're going to be brought in younger, they need to be able to turn a profit and get leveraged and moved quickly and recognize that they can be, or you've got to cut your losses. Or on the other side, you get somebody that's only got a couple of years left in their tenure and you're moving them quickly. Like This is not a league that has DPs that are around for five, six, seven years, you know, with a team that they're retiring at. It's it's not MLB or, you know, Messi's tenure with Barcelona or something like that. You know, it's just not the way that those player positions are typically utilized. But I I honestly and I'll let you interject, Dan, because I'm hogging the the mic, but like I just I think it probably says more that we see a lot. I don't know. I guess I would have to look at the average ages, but if the overwhelming majority of DPs that are in MLS have only been DPs in MLS since last year. Like the over, like I'd say at least 60, 40, like at least 60, 40 last year to this year. Um, at least, I don't know. I guess I'm 
trying to look at a table and with no numeration inside of inside of Wikipedia, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think there's more to dive into there and the, it just, the salary range is insane. What did we say, uh, Dan looking at, um, uh, where's he at? Alan Franco's on 505 a year as a DP. Right. Seems like a waste, <laughs> right? Like, it seems like a waste of a DP slot if it's not going to save you that much money. Right, but I feel like in the in it, it I thought it was weird when he came in as a DP. It's a panic purchase, I think. Did but we have any roster like, spots available though? Whenever we did that, um, yeah, we did. We had okay. roster spots available, but I I don't understand why and how because you know it's so hard to figure out how much time and everything that we have. But I feel like it's he's going to be paid down pretty quickly, so we'll have a DP spot open. So I could see us bringing in a DP this summer. The thing that's really too, annoying, right? huh? I was going to say potentially too, right? But keep going, sorry. Potentially too. I mean, depending on what happens with Barco. The really annoying thing is Orlando City only have two DPs, and they're, what, second in the Supporter Shield race? Yep. Yeah. That's really annoying. Yeah, for many reasons. No, not Supporter <laughs> Shield, just top of the East, right? Because Seattle's leading Supporter Shield. Uh, right? I think KC are leading now. Are KC really that? I have not been paying attention to the West. Is KC really that good? Yeah, KC no. KC are on uh, Orlando, they're tied. The, yeah, they're, they're beating Seattle, but they're tied at 26, and Orlando has 21. So they're in fourth. Oh, but your point yeah, still, yeah. it's still a valid point. If they're second yeah. in the East with two DPs, I, I get who it. Are, who are both old, like they're, they're in right. the twilight of their careers. Right. So I, 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 I mean, see, Atlanta United are always going to buy you. I mean, that's our business model, right? That's that's what we're, we're, we're selling our ourselves on we're just going to buy young dps and then sell them on for a profit so you want them to go out and you want them to spend big and i feel like it's good for the league in general that clubs like that are willing to pay those higher ticket prices in order to see if they can get players to come in and if they pan out fantastic that's what we want but if they don't pan out which is going to happen, which I think has happened with Barco. But you can't and wait five years. Yeah, you can't wait five years to see if it's going to pan out. That's what I'm getting to is like at a certain point, you've got to cut your losses. And I think Barco's pretty damn close to being to that point that like you're not getting enough and there's enough turnover that other teams are making the most out of those positions. And you're paying a player year over year that isn't doing that for you anymore. And if you're not like your prospect of making money is diminishing as well as your relevancy in the league is diminishing as a result of having him in that mm-hmm. position versus another DP, whether it's another younger talent. I'm not saying like you have to yeah. get somebody older, but you can't have a DP that isn't like, I get it with Joseph, especially whenever he was healthy because of what he was doing with this team. But Barco's never been that guy. Mm-hmm. And there's gotta be a certain delineation there or a time frame where it's like after whatever it is, three years, four years, like if you're not that guy, the league moves too quick and there's too many things happening because it's such a diverse league with all the salary shit and only having three DP spots and everything else that you've got to cut your losses and move on if you want to compete because you can easily spend another three years at the bottom of the table trying to get somebody acclimated into a system. Yeah, and I think 
part of this is, I mean, I feel like if we didn't have COVID, he would have been sold last summer. Yeah. Like, and, and not for, you know, not for, a, a, right, yeah, not for 30 mil. <laughs> no, um, for, more, for more than that. <laughs> so I feel like you gotta you gotta account COVID because I mean 2020 I mean that was a mess we're still cleaning up from it it's yeah. still not I mean it's it's impacted Joseph's availability it's impacted right. Rosetto's availability yeah um it's just it it's been such a, a an impact to all systems that um it's just crazy. Just crazy, but I do I do think that has to be considered with with all of them. But yeah, let's go out. I hope we can bring a, a DP in. Uh, I'm a little concerned we haven't heard any rumors. Uh, but it might be good that we haven't heard any rumors. True. Yeah, potentially. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe go out and sign Messi now that they can't. Like Barcelona have to. What did I see? They have to free up like two hundred thousand euros a week or something like that to be able to sign all the guys that they're supposed to sign. I don't think that this. I don't think that any team in MLS can afford him, dude. I thought he was supposed to. No, I thought he was supposed to come to Miami, right? That was, but wasn't that the issue? Like, well, isn't Messi supposed to come to Miami? Griezmann's supposed to come to Miami, and I think Ronaldo's supposed to come to Miami. So when they get that holy trinity in there, then they're gonna be unstoppable, man. Either that or that it's just a snake eating its tail. Like all of like they can't play mm. together because they all want to be the star. You know what I mean? Like they keep getting in each other's way. I, that's <laughs> I'm just trying to find a glimmer of hope because if that happens, it could be really bad for at least the couple of years that they're in the league for everybody else playing against them. So Brittany S in the trap, she said she saw one. I'm assuming a potential rumor, a Colombian. If you could expand on that, it's great. I think um, Parceros are going to lose their shit. Could you imagine? I think we're going <laughs> to. What, is getting a Colombian in? Yeah, just the, the Parcero fan base for Atlanta United. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you ever, like, that That person has, hasn't been even thought of or signed, but they are already beyond reproach. Like, don't even, <laughs> don't even think about criticizing anything they have to say. Yeah, I think we're going to see more um, more contacts coming from or players coming from Colombia and Ecuador as well. Spinier says Santiago something, but I don't know if it's true. <laughs> Thanks, <Spinier. laughs> I just I just saw a name. He plays soccer. He taught. He said something about Atlanta. <laughs> that's that's the good hb4d uh that's on it. The you are a correspondent now that, yes that, you that have you finally get. made it thanks Brittany. <laughs> all right so uh anything else or should we move into the dan load we can move into the dan load i did not know though this is a pretty sweet name there's a there's a zimbabwean designated player for houston and his name is teenage hadibi <laughs> Teenage Hadibi. His first name is Teenage. Wait till you see Adult Hadibi when he, he gets his final, like his final form. Um, all right. Speaking of final form, we have passed nine o'clock hours, so I just want to talk about food for a second here. I don't. Did I hope you guys saw what Tim and I did this week for for Fourth of July to celebrate America? We celebrated did, America. Did you see it? Did you see it? Mm-mm. So we, we did Pizzagate. I don't know oh. if you've read any of the articles. 
Well, it's Hashtag a thing. Pizzagate. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to all the uh, fast casual pizza eateries to get their current specials. So we got the uh, pepperoni and cheese stuffed crust pizza from Little Caesars. We got the Edge pizza from Pizza Hut. And we got two Papadillas from Papa John's. And we got some Cinnabon rolls. How are and those Papadillas? Oh, man. That was so good. The Papadillas were even... legit. You got to get the... I, not that I would expect anybody else. I don't know why they have the non-Parmesan crusted crust. Like, you can get them with or without the Parmesan melted on. Get it with. Like, yeah. just stop being stop being a pansy about it, I guess, and just get it. <laughs> You're eating Papadilla to begin with. Like, go ahead yeah. and just go Papadilla is just a quesadilla with, like, a pizza crust, but they put down a layer of Parmesan that they cook it onto, and they roll it up into a yeah. thing. Oh, man. It was awesome. We had two of those. The pepperoni, I think what took the cake, though, was the pepperoni cheese stuffed crust from from Little Caesars. And I must, I would be remiss if I didn't say there is an, a, like a huge, hugely stark difference between the quality of Hot and Ready and whenever they actually make it to, yeah. to order. Yeah. It and is. it is a cluster if you try to order it. Because <laughs> as I learned... Whenever I ordered the pepperoni stuffed crust pizza, they thought I just wanted a pepperoni pizza with stuffed crust. But the pizza I wanted is a stuffed crust with pepperoni inside the crust. So it's a whole thing. If you're going to get it, I just want to strongly recommend point at the menu because apparently that's what you got to do. I asked the lady, how was I supposed to say it? She said, I don't know. Most people just point. So fuck me, right? Yep. Didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> and then, oh, And then the edge? The edge pizza was it was pretty solid. It was like a it was a good salad option. Yeah. <laughs> Kendrick asking how did the gout handle the pizza overload? I take three hundred milligrams of allopurinol every day. That's how that's that's how I handled that's how my gout handled the pizza overload. Um, anyway, it was yeah, great. It was it was pretty fantastic. Are we ready for? Are we ready? The for damn the, love. Do 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 do. Or should um, or or, or no. should I do? <laughs> How many losses does Nashville have? One, right? Yes, one. Who was it to, Tim? Oh, it's to a surprising team, and I'm trying to remember who Chicago? it was. Red Bulls. The Red, oh, Bulls. Red Bulls. That's right. Two nil. Uh, since then, they have well. I mean, since then, yeah, there is, they've got four wins and six draws. Recently, just beat Philly, right? This past week, they just beat Philly one nil. Absolutely, yeah. It's they. Uh, Randall Yell made team of the the MLS team of the week, uh, which is you know I don't think Atlanta United have managed to do that too many times this week this this year, but they've been very. Man, they've been a good team. They've been hard to break down. They've come back from 2-0 losses from Montreal. They've done that against Montreal and Atlanta United, uh, once at home, once on the road, which was we all know about. I'm not looking forward to this because of the players that we're missing, because of the players that we have injured. Hopefully we can have a bar of Sosa and, um, well, I mean, I kind of hope we have Franco back, but I don't think that's going to instill hope in many people's hearts. This is going to be a really rough stretch of five games. 
Um, just oh, sweet. With, because the yeah, sorry, that's because this this stretch hasn't been rough enough as it is. Right, exactly. <laughs> it, it's not. I feel like Atlanta United Twitter is just. I mean, it might actually just melt down. And I'm glad. Give up. I'm just glad we're primed for the punishment now. Hey, at least we didn't give up a lead. We just took the law. We just took the L. I'll take the L at this point. Like, don't give me false hope. Like, if we're going to play shit, just take a shit result. Just give me zero points. I don't want one anymore. One doesn't do anything for playoffs. Just give me the L. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, well, they're probably, I think they're going to line up in a, like a, a 4-4-2 or a 4-4-1-1. So, it seems like Johnston and Lovitz have been the guys on the wings who, on their their fullback positions that have been getting up and down the field. So you know, Zimmerman and Romney in the middle. It looks like they they used their their back four without a a guy like Sosa who drops back in between them. McCarty seems to just sit just ahead of the two, kind of like Mo Adams was doing, but he does it a lot better than Mo Adams did uh, last weekend. Um, I think you're going to have Lille and Mule uh, out on the wings, and then Godoy is going to be supporting Mukhtar and Sapong up top. I think Sapong got the goal against Philadelphia in like the eighth minute, and then I'm pretty sure – I'm not sure if they showed up shot, but uh, they managed to hold on and get that 1-0 victory at home. Uh, I also hate that this is in Nashville at um, – is it Nissan Thursday. Stadium now or – LP Field, I can't remember. It's some some shitty NFL team that has some no name players on it that also shares that that stadium. Julio, um, Julio, W. Never heard, never heard of her. Uh, you want to just rip my heart out and go play over the border? That's fine. So, man, we I feel like we're gonna lose this one two nil. Um, I'm not hopeful. This one, if Joseph is back, great. Maybe we snatch him one goal, but I just don't think we've got the 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 fight to do this with the guys that we have. Hopefully, Heinze can like sit them down and really just just push them and be positive because he does. He is a positive coach. Like he has been trying to preach positivity. Absolutely. He defend he defends the players in the press. He and says, he's engaged. It's just on me. He's totally engaged. Yeah. So that. And those are things that I, I, I want to stick with Heinzer on. Like Frank just yep. didn't have any communication with his players. Completely agree. But but Heinzer does have that and he does seem to care for his players and he and he wants to push them. And I want us to have intense training sessions. You can't I'm not gonna just sit back and say, Oh, we can't push them in case they get injured. I'm just gonna push them and see what happens. And then you just gotta deal with it because that's the front office's job, right? <laughs> uh yeah, not looking forward to this. I think Nashville have done really, really well. Um from coming in last year, they they got through twenty twenty pretty in a good position. I think they're even a better position. I think Walker Zimmerman has been fantastic. They've been managing to get production. Uh, Godoy and Honey Mokdor have been really good for them in the midfield and attacking midfield, and they're managing to get to production out of Alex Mule. Uh, Dax McCarty has been a great. He's he's their Je- Jeff Lorenowitz. Um, I've been really impressed with Dax McCarty, even though he was an ex-Red Bull player. And I think he also played for the Chicago Fire. So those aren't some great things, but he's he's a good guy. He did a good interview with Bobby Barswell on play-by-play, as I would thoroughly recommend you check that out. So, yeah, but, you know, form's temporary, right? So 
they've had a good run of results. They've only got one loss in the past five games. So they've, they've got two draws, two wins. They're coming off a win. They're going back. They're staying at home. They've got, oh, man, they've had a run of five games at home. So this will be their fourth one in that stand. I think, man, yep. I don't think Atlanta United is going to do this one. I think this is an excellent opportunity for Anton Walks to step up and put his cement his place as a potential captain in Atlanta United with Guzan out. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say 2 0 Nashville. Um, I'll make mine a lot more brief. I will say 2 1 Nashville. And after everything I saw this past week and the one bright spot for Atlanta United offense, the one goal coming from the champ, Chol. Okay. Uh, I'm with Dan. I'll say 2 0. I hope so. I'd love to see Chol just run amok. That's another Pokemon. Okay. Um, right, Dan, you get one minute. Let's hear it. England. What you got for us? Uh, I mean, it's Denmark, right? It's Denmark. The motivation between, behind Christian Eriksen can only take you so far, right? I mean, you've got to be dead inside if that didn't motivate you to do something on the field. We've, I mean, surely. I thought that England might mess it up with Ukraine, but listening to some um, uh, other podcasts about, you know, the Guardian podcast, England should be all over this, just like they were all over Ukraine. I mean, I heard one thing that when... Um, Roy Hudson was in charge. They didn't even do any scouting of Iceland. Apparently, they just went down um, to see Paris because one of the staff hadn't seen Paris before. I mean, what the hell are you doing? But I think, man, Southgate's on his – he's not – he doesn't give a crap about what the media says or anybody else. He's like, I believe this is what we should do. I believe these are the players that we should do it with, and we're just going to execute. I don't care what's going on around me. I'm the manager. I'm going to do my job. Suck it. Uh, and thank, thankfully, it paid off for him against Ukraine, and it paid off for us against um, uh, who was the team we beat just last? Germany, of course, the Deutsch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was. I mean, I was like, I don't care if we we don't win the Euros. Just beating Germany is is just. I mean, imagine when you're like five years old and there's a team that beats you and beats you and beats you. Every single time. I think we've beaten them twice, even in friendlies. In qualifying, we beat them 5-1. I remember that day as a little kid. I was, like, (laughs) sitting outside, and I could hear the people in the pub down the road cheering at every goal that came on. I think even Paul Lynch scored a goal during that time. I mean, it was amazing. 5-1, England, uh, Germany. And that was the impetus for Germany to start their regeneration of all their new pipeline and talent uh, that has brought them, you know... uh, think a world cup and a euro and whatever but man we dumped them out there they're all old and shit um and now they're probably gonna start it again but it's good that england are the ones who can be the ones who can suck a punch them into to uh doing that so uh i mean this is a great england team we've got so much talent our bench is stacked i would like to see more of Grealish, but I mean, he's a great player to have off the bench. I mean, if you're going to be, he can run, he can play make, and he's a completely different dimension that you've got to play make for. Is he going to sub him in? Is he not? He's done both. He's not played him and he's played him. So you've got a lot to think about when you're the imposing coach of this. So 
I, I'm just, I can't, I can't even bring myself to say it because we should, right? We should. We seem to have the tools to do this. We seem to have the players. We seem to have the tactical acumen. We seem to have the joy around the locker room um, that we haven't had s- since the last World Cup. There's, there's got to be. There's, you could just see England get into the finals, and if, if that happens, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself because I'm standing there watching England just, you know get a 1-0 win against Germany and I'm, I just can't it's like watching the Super Bowl with the Falcons in and thinking oh my gosh we're going to we're actually going to do this and then they completely shut the bid so and I can just see England doing the same thing so I'm I'm extremely hopeful for it it's it's like it's like that thing that you you can feel in your mind and you can see it right just there, but you're so afraid that it's so fragile that even if you whisper it, it's just going to fly away and you're not going to get it. So there's, there's a lot to be excited for. Thank God for England. Thank God for the 4th of July. Thank God for Harry Kane, two times Harry Maguire and Jordan Henderson, four goals, 4th of July. Great stuff. Hawks are out. Playing United shut the bed, but thank God for England. Wait, who scored right, that so, fourth goal? So we're gonna do we're... Jordan Henderson. Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see his reaction afterwards? I mean, he was like screaming. He was red in the face. That's the first goal he's ever scored for England. I mean, it was I such a happy man. moment. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna do a one-off for score predictions on our uh, point tally. We'll we'll throw this match in since it's since we might see a a win for somebody this week. Score prediction, Dan, or do you want to go last? I'll go last. Tim, score prediction for for England. I'm gonna go another four nil. Now that I know Christian Eriksen's totally fine, I I just I uh, (laughs) I don't have a problem. I really don't. The, the team is good. Don't get me wrong. Like they have good players on them, but like are on their team. But like you have to think the English team has got to be used to you know putting goals past Andreas Christensen on a weekly basis, right? And in Hoybier and being able to play against those guys, I don't. The, the, it, it's crazy that the amount of depth that the English team has. And to your point, Dan Gareth Southgate, I don't think he's put a foot wrong. And I any criticism that he has, I don't know how it's founded at this point. I personally don't like Dan being this happy, so I'm going to say 2-1 Denmark in stoppage time. It never comes home. (laughs) This is your home now. The sooner you accept it, the better. Oh, man. Uh, I think if if Denmark Denmark win, Kevin, I'm actually going to be – really angry at you like not joking around angry like actually angry (laughs) um i mean england should win it right england could win it too i mean even though the danish put four past a hapless wales man what happened there england should win it right two nil england should win it sterling and kane all right. I think that's going to do it for us. We're over time tonight, but all eyes glued 
to the telly this week. Um, you can find us on Twitter. Can I my score prediction? <laughs> you can find us uh, all collectively on Twitter at Home Before Dark. That's before spelled B in the number four. Find each one of us on separate platforms. Tim, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Tim Herb. Dan, what about you? You can find me on Twitter at DNJMS. And on Peloton. And on Peloton at uh, To the Power of Dan. (laughs) Find me on Instagram at The Architect. That's at the underscore ARC. Number one, T E C T. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We love the hell out of you, no matter how bad, how good, how mediocre this team may be playing. It makes it a hell of a lot better being able to share it with you guys. So thank you so much for tuning in with us each and every week. Um, Be sure to like, subscribe, tell a friend, and we'll see you next time. As always, be home before dark. So many jokes, so many sneers. But all 